Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Nick Hare, Anna Pearson and Peter Cockhill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing forgetting your password or passwords. And due to the new lockdown, unusually, we're recording this remotely. Can't, can't we just be, we're, and we're LF Insights and we've forgotten our password this week? <laughs> Help us. Yes. Yeah, we're please. Locked out. <laughs> we're locked out. Help us, please. Nick, we need someone to help us with your passwords, with our passwords. Um, yeah, so I, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I went on a work trip, which obviously was, you know, trying to take advantage of the brief uh, interregnum between lockdowns yeah. um, to Portland Down in mm. uh in uh, uh near near um uh, salisbury mm. where i had to access uh, a particular computer system that i that i'm not you know is not connected to the internet mm. and for which i needed not one but two separate passwords mm. to access mm. and i had a couple of weeks previously got gone and got myself an account to use this this computer system um yeah. and, and when i got written down one 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 two three four i i had not written down anything i didn't i didn't need to right because i've mm. got a really uh, uh, amazing and impregnable way of, of generating passwords mm. um which i'm not going to go into because i don't want to give anything away but yeah. essentially it's it gives me unique passwords for everything but it means i don't need to rely on a password manager and i can and i can um you know i can more or less most of the time remember my password right and and so i was pretty confident about this Except. and i got there yeah it turns out <laughs> you got well, this anyway, foolproof system yeah the utterly almost bulletproof system uh i got there tr- tried tried the first password then i thought oh no okay i know i know why it's not that then and i tried the other password um which it would have been and that didn't work and then i tried a third password and a fourth one and a fifth one and at some point i thought at some point it must say you've been locked out get, mm. get in touch with an administrator but it didn't and i, I kept trying uh, and eventually um you know there's no there's no help desk there that i can go and walk, mm. walk over to see there's only a phone line i can call and mm. and um uh, i phoned them and they said we'll call you back and so i was sat, sat about for about two hours and eventually they didn't call back and so i uh came home again so i'd had a quite a nice day out to um to salisbury to yeah. yeah and um uh, and then it, on the way back i discovered i did discover a note in my wallet reminding me of a specific feature of this password right which was imposed on me it was something it was like when when we had to create our passwords there was this thing i couldn't use my normal system because i had to add something to it because Mm. because Mm. you know the password there was a specific rule about it and um and then i realized where it had all gone horribly wrong and uh and so yeah uh basically but passwords the whole problem of passwords i think it's it's a common certainly not an uncommon problem for people to forget them but also what do we do about the fact that we there are so many things we need passwords for so Mm. many things we need to authenticate ourselves for how do we avoid you know kind of cognitive meltdown um what are the strategies that we can use and uh and what's good what's good practice um so peter what's your take on this um do you have you got have you got a password system like nick does um, no, I, 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 well, I, I do for certain passwords, which are the kind of the core ones. So a lot of how uh, we'll talk about identity and how, how you authenticate your identity online mm. and things 
uh, later on, I think. But um, the sort of core passwords from which other things get their identity, I have a system for those. And yeah. that is, again, it's a secret system, only known only to me, robust. Mm-hmm. It lets me generate very long passwords. I, my, I think my kind of password for my main Gmail account is about 24 characters long what? with all sorts of special characters in it. So it's very long um, mm. that I can just remember. Uh, with no problem whatsoever and type and crucially type very quickly because you type it a lot um so uh, but then from the, those kind of passwords i uh, are used to manage a password manager so if for each service and there are hundreds of services i have accounts or passwords for um mm. each one is unique but they're managed by a sort of centrally very strong password by a mm. strong identity so i don't uh, so i don't have a universal system pie everywhere because that would be that would be a bit more Cognitively demanding, so I, am, I do rely on the systems to sort of help me out. Um, what I what I, I'm quite keen to explore a bit though is the restrictions, because it seems that the problem that Nick had was his system was broken by oh. a particular requirement, a particular policy about the the shape and form of the password imposed on him when he created the password, and that broke his system. His system wasn't compatible with that, so he had to had this little addendum for this one particular case, which is obviously hmm. going to you're going to forget that. Um, now, I think Anna might be able to speak to this, but in my mind, I think generally restrictions are bad because they mm. just, for a number of reasons, apart from so good restrictions, length. You want you want a password longer the better. I mean, there's in modern systems, there's no should be no restriction on the length of the password. Um, it's only older systems where there was kind of only space in the database for short strings of characters mm. and things that cause you to have short passwords. But modern systems really should not place no upper limit on the length of the password and encourage you to use ever, to use as long as possible. And like uh, things like use of special characters, numbers, uppercase, lowercase, really, yeah. it, I think that it shouldn't, it should mandate the use of those, but it shouldn't restrict the use of them. So it should set, allow you to use them, but not say exactly where they should go or anything else. Any any other restrictions about like how long it should be about like sort of maximum length or uh, where sp- special sp- particular characters should go or yeah um, uh, really that 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 is actually a security problem because uh, security risk because that will narrow the search space in yeah, all yeah, possible yeah. strings yeah if the if those rules are known so if it, if it said that your char- your password must be exactly ten characters long have a capital at the beginning a full stop at the end and a number in the middle, then mm. if the if an attacker gets to know those rules, that that eliminates a huge number of passwords that they have to then try in order exactly. to find a to find a valid one. Um, and actually, weirdly, you know, talking about restric- restrictions, and also Nick being um, sort of caught out because he was asked to do this password in a certain way. That happened to me recently, where weirdly, so I have a system for generating passwords as well, and it always incorporates the sort of things you're asked for, like capital letters and numbers and special characters and stuff like that. But I was signing up to something, it was BT actually, and they restricted me to, it had to be quite a short password, and I wasn't allowed any special characters or, or capital, and it just completely messed me up. And now I've got a password, I can't even remember what it is. Um, um, Anna, any thoughts on restrictions? And, and is, I mean, are passwords... Are passwords a good way? Are they a good way to do things? But maybe, maybe restrictions first. Actually, it's um, an interesting sort of topic that's often, more often than not, discussed in information security um, because organizations want to have a password policy or password mm. management and they want to restrict the user um, and sort of force them into having a complicated password. Mm-hmm. And that's why you'll always see that 
a lot of the times you'll see a kind of bar that says, you know, um, going from sort of red, amber to green to state yeah. how weak or how strong uh, the password character um, input is. Um, but um, I think it's it's tricky to 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 find the sort of right definition because if you're explaining to any user they, that there's a character limit to, of one special character or a capital letter um then actually an adversary would look at that and say oh i know that there's a minimum of one special character so i know for each individual password that they they must have that and then they can at least pull a list and use that when they're trying to um, potentially brute force, um, um, to conduct a brute force attack. I mean, I don't know if uh, anyone's looked at this, but I, I suppose the problem is if you give people the freedom to choose their own passwords, they will, like nincompoops, choose rubbishy passwords. I mean, I don't know what a rubbishy password is or how predictable people are if, if not if not given those restrictions. I think as an example, password um, is one of the most used um, and weakest passwords on the planet. I think it's the number one uh, password uh, word uh, used. We've, we've rumbled um, your system, Nick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm up, to, I'm up to password 279 now. So, you know, that's... Uh... Um, yeah, but there's uh, if you say to a user, right, can you just put one special character in, they're likely just to change the A and put uh, an at sign. And that's mm. that's mm. then it's then it's passed and accepted. Um, mm. I think it's always tricky to find a balance between sort of usability and security. On the one hand, you don't want to enforce a user to change their passwords all the time or too frequently, particularly in an, or in an organization. I think when we're talking about users, we have to sort of be aware of users as a, as customers and as 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 um, clients of a service and also users within an organization and and they're actually accessing a service or a, a, a database with, with with data. They might be different ways of managing passwords based on 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 that. But I think there seems to be some kind of universal way of of restricting passwords, which is at the current stage uh, length, so twelve to fifteen characters, or a minimum of eight for some companies, and then these additional sort of capital letters and special character usage. So, but also, what about things like I think Peter was referring to it early on about um, a central um, place like a deadbolt sort of thing. Um, do you guys use those like one place where you can centrally store all your passwords? Um, Anna, what are your thoughts on that sort of stuff? Uh, yes, I have used KeePass in the past. In, in the past. <laughs> um, and they are very good because you can store, as Peter mentioned, really long passwords that are strong and complex. Um, but I think you should also take them with a pinch of salt. Um, I recently read an article from um, Kate O'Flaherty. She wrote uh, an interesting article for Forbes magazine. And oh. she um, uh, looked into a report that master passwords actually can be sometimes counterintuitive because they have the master password that's used to access the database mm. of the password manager database and that master password is actually stored in clear text on the machine in ram so if an adversary happened to you know access that then it's got completely everything. counterintuitive yeah exactly they, yeah. they have everything so that sounds like quite a badly yeah. designed bit of software mm. but yeah, right, right. yeah so yeah <laughs> it might be worth just briefly summarizing how you uh crack passwords because I, I don't think it's widely a lot of people imagine it's something a bit like you see in the films where they try different combinations 
in to access the the account or the service until they find the right one but um in nearly every case what happens is that there will be a leak of not the passwords themselves because they're hardly ever stored just as plain text right so you, they don't have a file somewhere saying this is the user and that's the password what they do is pass the password and often some other information um through an algorithm that essentially scrambles scrambles that that password in a way that is not reversible so it'll scramble it in a way that what you end up with is a sort of big long kind of um well a hash as it's called and um so so you what you can't it's you can't take the hash and find the password so you can't it's not reversible just you know Mm -hmm. it's a bit like um if you gave me you know 50 numbers and i added them all up but then removed the first digit it wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to work out what that first digit was kind of thing um but uh, what attackers do is well, they'll have a list of the hashes and the usernames, and then they'll just try the algorithm with loads and loads of different passwords until they match the hashes that come at the end with the hashes associated with each user. So um, the the what there's the essentially two different ways of doing that. One is to do a brute force where you try every literally every combination of characters to try and find the 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 hashes and match them to the to the accounts and obviously that's then an issue about length um so you know the longer the the longer the password the harder it's going to be for someone to find it through that method but the other is um is a dictionary based attack where you look at a list of known passwords of common known passwords and um you know obviously even if they're long if they're predictable and have been used before then they're going to find them. So, so that immediately tells you, like, just make sure that your password is long, right? Number one thing, but also make sure it how, isn't. How long is long? How long is long? Well, it's unfortunately, it's getting longer all the time, long, because computers are getting faster. And actually, cracking is, you know, is a combinatorial exercise and, and um, can be parallelized because it doesn't need to be done in serial, which means that you can just buy a thousand computers and speed it up by a factor of a thousand. Um, so, so uh, I, I mean, essentially longer than the other guy i think that's what i'd say i mean if you're if you're trying to trying to crack passwords you you're going to try and get all the easy ones particularly because the easy ones are probably people who are a bit shit with computers and as soon as you've got their passwords not only can you use them on that account but those are probably people who use the same passwords for multiple yeah. accounts and so the, you break into amazon and you've and also got their eBay probably, account and there's probably a good sort of crossover with the population of people who are more likely to fall for phishing scams and other things that that you're ultimately trying to yeah. achieve where you're stealing yeah. their money from their bank account and things. And so just, it is worth saying that this is common, right? It's not by any means unusual. So I, I, uh, I the, the, I mean, there's a list on um, You've Been Pwned, which is a really good website if you want to see if your passwords have been compromised uh, or are known to have been compromised. And they've got a list of several hundred examples, you know, of which 60 were in this year alone. And they're not obscure things that you won't have heard of or dodgy kind of websites. I mean, they include things like LinkedIn and Tumblr and Tesco, you know, who, who've had their password, um, you know, hashes leaked uh, and they're cracked within days, you know, typically those when, when that happens. Um no, I reckon I've got. I reckon I've got. I, I, they, according to you've been pwned. My password's been leaked, or hashes associated with my passwords have been leaked eight times over the last ten years. So that means that you know, if I've got, and I reckon from my Google sort of password manager, I've got about two hundred online accounts. So, so that suggests that about you know, there's probably about a, a each of my accounts has a has about a half a percent chance of being of being um, compromised in a given year. So, hmm. uh, you know, you're looking at roughly one a year, 
Now, if, if, if I use the same password for, for all of my staff, then all of those accounts would be more or less 100% chance of being cracked every year. Hmm. So okay. it's not uncommon. People should assume it, it happens. Hmm. And so, yeah. And, and I just, I, yeah, I'll just shout out again. Have I been pwned? Brilliant service. It's, it's, it's really, really good. It's definitely What's something. What's it called again? Should... Have I been pwned? Don't worry, Fraser. We'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> oh, no, I, no um, but there's an urgency to this. I want to know now. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and um, it's the, 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 the people who run that, um, they pull hashes and all sorts of things from, from various nefarious places to, and put to facilitate the service. And it, and, and, but, uh, it's often integrated and services like are integrated with password managers. So they will password manager will automatically check the strength of your passwords for you and tell you if you've been compromised. That's another advantage of using a, a password manager is that you don't have to manually check your passwords. It will tell you if you need to change it. But what I, what I want to talk about is um, are passwords the best system? Are there other ways of doing this? Something that's happening more and more is authentication, verification. Um, and I guess even things like um, um, uh, physical recognition, like iris and fingerprints, things like that. Um, Anna, uh, can you talk to that? Anything to say on, on those sort of things? I mean, will there come a time where we don't have passwords anymore because we just rely on other things? Or, or, or I guess the authentication thing as well? I think it seems to be going more that way. Um, I mean, now when you go on to Google, Gmail, you're, you're already prompted by using um, an additional passcode on your one-time password on your on your phone. And those types of systems where you have multiple entity authentication across devices. So if you're trying to access your email from your desktop machine and you're prompted with the password for access via your phone, you have that sort of um, additional security. And uh, I think moving forward, it will become more commonplace. And I do see that um, in terms of um, potentially more biometric um, Mm -hmm. style uh, technology uh, probably moving maybe moving more away from um, fingerprint scanning but maybe more facial recognition um, mm. this kind of thing. why yeah. why moving away from fingerprint um, recognition oh um, just as a suggestion I think it could be okay. could be more more I don't know more marketable you, I guess sort of branching out from I guess yeah. rather than moving yeah. away from yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah there, there, there are inherent weaknesses uh, problems with biometrics it might be worth mentioning at this point so um, depending on how it's done, of course. Uh, likewise with passwords, you don't actually transmit the image of the fingerprint or the iris scan or whatever it is. It's important to make sure you pass that through, through some sort of algorithm and, own, and only keep locally, i.e. on the user's device, the, the image. Mm. But um, biometrics, particular problem, fingerprint, for example, once compromised, it can't be changed. It's not mm. like a password which could be changed. Mm. It, it, you, your, your fingerprint is you know, with you for life. And you've only got 10 fingers, so you're going to run out pretty quick if they keep getting compromised and chopping them off. It really isn't a palatable uh, solution. <laughs> so, yeah, the use of biometrics should be very carefully considered when you're designing any kind of authentication solution. It's really for convenience and for reasonably low assurance kind of uh, authentication of the person and really only should be used as one of many factors. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk about bad um, passwords and bad habits and that kind of thing. Um, sometimes something... You know, I don't want to give too much away, but I think uh, foreign languages can be useful um, in passwords and stuff like that. Um, anyone got any thoughts on on that side of things? Yeah. So Fraser, any if you if your password comprises of just like one word, or no matter which language it is, that is very susceptible to a dictionary attack. So um, even if it's an obscure language, it'll be the hash of that using various algorithms will be in some dictionary somewhere. So uh, don't use don't use 
don't don't think oh Portuguese is quite an obscure language. I'll just use a Portuguese word for hello uh, as my password. <laughs> that just won't work, I'm afraid. Okay, uh, Anna, any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, um, there was a, a, an interesting study by Safety Detectives. Um, they're a group of um, experts that sort of build knowledge bases on uh, antivirus and VPN tools, and they did a study on. Uh, I think 9 million passwords or, or hashes of passwords. And um, they identified that there are quite a lot of sort of behavioral traits that are similar in different countries. And mm. I think it was an interesting, particularly interesting because they assessed passwords from non-English speaking countries. And mm. more often than not, there tends to be a bias uh, in security research, only focusing on sort of English speaking countries. Mm. And um, even though non-English speaking um, users are just as likely to be targeted or a victim of cybercrime. Oh. And um, actually what they identified was like bad passwords were common in most other languages. So password, um, for instance, in um, French is is also high up on the list. And oh. um, they actually said common, common words or phrases associated to that country um, was quite pre uh, prevalent. So um, things in French was uh, was related to to food, and in Spain it was related <laughs> to places. Yeah, it's a really interesting list, and I suggest I suggest reading it. Sandwich um, au jambon, number one. <laughs> I think it was chocolat. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and uh, in Italy, first names were quite popular um, uh, or common, most common passwords, and um, and. I thought that the most fascinating thing was key keyboard patterns. So obviously one, two, three, four, five, six being a, an obvious one or QWERTY, there were variations of QWERTY in different, different um, countries. So the German diction, uh, German keyboard system, the Y is replaced with a Z uh, in, in the French, I think Q is replaced with an A. And mm. um, one quite interesting thing is that, that it's a, it's the same in, in different countries. So Russia, was the most uh, was the one country that used the most um, keyboard pattern uh, passwords. So using one Q, two mm. W, three E, etc. And it's the same also in the US. So um, I think they were both on the same sort of um, uh, common common. So, so uh, in the hierarchy of their list, they were they were on the same kind of. Uh, and I think Anna's hinting at a general sort of useful piece of advice there, which is if yeah. you think you found some really clever way of using a keyboard layout to make generate a password, don't, don't do it because it. Yeah. Uh, because if you thought of it, somebody smarter than you probably already has. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you know. Yeah, we were saying that length. I mean, it's a bit like in bridge. You know, length length beats strength. But predictability is the worst thing of all. You know, the long predictable password is no good. You can't just have 25 ones in a row. Mm. Um, and uh, so I, I actually found similar data, but about PIN numbers, which, um, and I can't tell you how good this study is. It's just, um, but it's just someone who looks pretty credible in terms of the way they've examined uh, these numbers. But the if you 10% of the PIN numbers in his data set are one, two, three, four. Right, so if you nick a hundred credit cards, you've you, you've already got ten of them. Wow. You've got the pin numbers wow. to ten of them. Um, that the top twenty numbers cover twenty five percent of all pin numbers. Um, that so again, that's, sorry. That so again. in other words, twenty twenty pin numbers yeah. will get you into one in four cards. Yeah. Right, and wow. and fifty percent of people's pin numbers are one of about four hundred pins, which is um four percent. So four percent of number combinations 
fifty uh, percent of people are using the the um, uh, so the interesting uh, thing there is you know the patterns that he picked up. So for example, lots of nineteens at the beginning because it's memorable years. But also here's a quiz for you: two five eight zero. That's a particularly popular pin number. Why is two five eight zero popular? Is that to do with position of key of those of of a, an input keypad? Exactly. It's just what Anna was saying: is that you go straight down the middle on a okay. on a, on a phone yeah. phone uh, number pad um so yeah same thing all you've got to do is pick one which isn't uh, isn't there pick one pick one you know which is i mean you know four random digits you, you really cannot beat that there's no excuse for not having four I, random I, digits i think before we finish off i think the reason why is partly because most people let's say i think are, are probably quite honest and they don't quite imagine the the depth and breadth of, of people out there to get them right and so I think that's partly it. And they think, oh, this will be fine. And they don't quite understand how quite how much activity there is out there trying to get their PIN numbers, et cetera. I think that's partly it. But also it's partly the convenience thing. And people just want to remember stuff, right? And they don't want to sort of, I, I think those are the two reasons why. And, and those two factors mm. play into the hands of, you know, of nefarious uh, um, people. Um, yeah. let, let, let's finish this off. Um, we were started talking about there some sort of bad passwords. Um, has anyone got anything on this, um, Peter? Uh, well, a list that I'm looking at just for fun. So, what, top of the list is one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so that's obvious, easy to remember one. In, 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 interestingly, um, one, two, three, four, which is easier to remember, arguably, mm. actually comes in ninth. Uh, password is number three. Um, and it, it starts it very quickly. Sort of starts having lots of first names. Pokemon thirty eight, Michael forty two, Star Wars eighty three. So don't use Star Wars or Star Trek. I suggest Star Trek's not on this list, but probably fairly far up there. Um, so yeah, but it's 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 they are fascinating. Like um, how sort of short they are, and these 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 this list covers a very large majority of a very large proportion of um, uh, passwords that people use. Um, for God's sake, just use a password manager and generate your passwords for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pass that. That's what I shall take away from this. Um, incidentally, I don't know if I'm giving too much away here, but I mean, um, weirdly at my work, I, I, at my regular work, I'm, I'm, I sit within um, an IT department, which, which is odd because I never have anything to do with IT. But that means I have access to a lot of systems which IT people have generated the passwords. And every single bloody password is some reference to Star Wars. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, they, there's, a, there's a nice hint there for all the hackers out there if they're trying to get into yeah, anything that's been generated by an IT person. Um, anything to say, anyone, before I wrap up? That's a very public way of uh, exposing your company's cyber risk to try and get it fixed, Fraser. Uh, Fortunately, I was very clever in not giving away the company and no one can ever know what that might be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure that Googling your name will bring up anything. Uh... <laughs> Okay, let's stop there. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. I've been here with Peter Cockle, Anna Pearson, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.